to intro. It is hard to intro. That's why we're back. <laughs> this is Jared. This is Krista. And this is the Always Love Yours podcast. We came up with a name. We have a name. And I like it. I do too. Can you really quick tell us what this name came from? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me that. Good. Um, I, I really like the song um, J. Cole. One of my favorite songs of J. Cole is Love Yours. And... Uh, what I love about that song is, you know, the lyrics and also the beat, of course, but mostly the lyrics because it talks about a lot of times, like, no matter if you're struggling, no matter what type of life you have, you should still be grateful for what you have. And there's no need to compare. And, you know, in an ideal world, you would you would not want to compare yourself, but we do. But it's just a good reminder. It's actually on my playlist. Pick me up playlist. Okay, okay. <laughs> you got playlists. We're gonna get into Chris's playlist at some point, but not quite yet. No, I also enough. agree with you about the love yours thing. I think that people often forget to love yours. Yeah. And you know, we think about what we don't have and what we want, but we often forget about what we do have. You know. Yeah. So we always focus on like the negative, but not really the positive. Exactly. And I think that's just wasting, you know, life. Like that you're wasting your quality of life and it's kind of just like why are you doing that exactly i agree and that's why you should always love, love yours, yours. Okay. so cheesy but i love it <laughs> it has so much meaning behind it and essentially that's kind of what we're doing right now for this podcast like what we plan on doing is like we said before is interviewing people and the whole concept of being yourself and like you know, genuinely being yourself and like not everyone is the same and we would like to, you know, go in more into deep with that. But also we're just being genuinely who we are and yeah. we're presenting ourselves that way. So yeah, that's the background sure of the is. of the name. All right. So what's on the docket today? Okay, so I was thinking since, you know, we did a brief introduction of who we are in the big be- in the other podcast before this uh, I wanted to kind of you know start interviews and what better people to interview than both of us but I think we're gonna split it up so this one's gonna be of me interviewing Jared and then me (laughs) I get interviewed okay (laughs) sit back relax this is gonna be a long podcast (laughs) go ahead and just relax I'm gonna try to keep it short but okay we talk a lot (laughs) but um, yeah, so I'm gonna, we're going to start with that. The next one will be him interviewing me, hey. which kind of makes me nervous. Gang, gang, I can't wait. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're just going to get into it and see where the interview goes. I do have some, I'm looking right now at some questions that I do have, but, you know, I might not get to all of them, nor do I want you to feel like I'm like really interviewing you hey we can go wherever i'm an open book (laughs) i know you are (laughs) oh i also forgot to we forgot to mention in the in our intro that we're actually together oh yeah (laughs) yeah. relationship shout out we 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 out here rocking it together she's my girlfriend and he's my boyfriend and it's funny because when we were doing the introductions before this we didn't we had we didn't even say any of that (laughs) no i mean it's not like we forgot but we just i feel like i'm so comfortable with you and yeah. it's just like, you know, yeah. this is what we do, of course. Yeah. So, yeah. So we were, that's what we're going to today. Um, so, you know, you talked a lot about 
you know, where you currently live and, you know, what you're doing right now and that you're in grad school and stuff. I kind of wanted to know more, even though I already know, but for listeners out there, Mm -hmm. know more about, like, your childhood, your upbringing, and your family. And you could disclose whatever you want. Um, I don't want people or you to feel like you are forced to disclose anything you don't want to be put out there. So you could just... Disclose whatever you want. All right, I'm ready. Let's get it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, where were you? Where did you grow up? And um, tell me more about your family. Okay. So, a long time ago, in uh, the early 90s, I grew up in <laughs> San Mateo. <laughs> okay, yes. Ni- 1992. Okay. <laughs> San Mateo, California. Um, it's a very small town that is a uh, super suburb. Suburb. A suburb. <laughs> and, suburban. Uh, it's, it's suburban. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I had a great upbringing. My parents were both there, still together. They're my idea of what a good marriage is. Um, I have a younger brother who's two years younger, an older brother who's much older, so much older that when I was born, he's in high school. But um, I ended up actually living a large portion of my teen years with my cousins because their parents had passed away and my parents adopted them. And luckily, we had always had a really close relationship with them. It's kind of those cousins that, like, they come over and then you don't want to stop hanging out, so you go hide when everybody says they're going to go home so that, you know, you guys can all, like, be there longer and then yeah. you'd ask to sleep over. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, it was just amazing having that bond with them, feeling like they were as close as brothers. And then when they moved in with us, it really felt like that. Uh, Did that like throw off your dynamic as a your I guess you could call it your nuclear family like did that throw it off because that's a very unique situation where your your parents adopted your your cousins and whatnot. Well, I to be honest with me, I felt like it was a natural progression in the sense that they we loved them like brothers and now it was like one long sleepover, mm-hmm. you know. And um, that's a good way to put it. It is, but. Being as young as I was, I never really understood just how it impacted our family. Um, I really didn't understand the difficulties that my parents had to ensue by taking on this great yeah. responsibility. Two more kids. Two more kids, mm-hmm. two more mouths to feed, two more kids to take to school, to care. Be responsible for. To, and to That's love. Lot, I yeah. mean, and, and it's really hard, especially when these kids are not kids you raised. So they come in with a lot of different repertoires or sets of behaviors that are just different or maybe not acceptable in the household and it's challenging and I didn't see the challenge as much as I do now you know what I mean yeah and it makes me think like did your parents feel like they had to parent differently for those two for for both of them or like did they had to like acquire a different parenting style with them compared to you and your brother it kind of makes me like think about that because it's like they're not your kids technically, so it's like um... <laughs> no, totally. Well, um, I think that we, me and my cousins and my little brother and my cousins, very different. My little brother and I are very different, but like what the things that we, as in me and my little brother, went through were very different than the things that my cousins had gone through. Mm-hmm. Like both of their parents had passed mm-hmm. separately at separate times. After a divorce. So they're in a different, you know, so the, state. Totally. Like, when they enter your family. And yeah. my older cousin is older than me, and he had a lot of uh, 
challenging behavior that made him uh, what people would call a problem child, or you know what mm -hmm. I mean? He wouldn't exactly follow the rules. I mean, mm -hmm. he had to, he, he didn't want to just complete school. He didn't want to just follow the linear path that my parents had set up for us as the status quo. Like, it was known that we were going to go to college, you know what I mean? Yeah. Don't know where, but that's the plan. Yeah. Like, it wasn't always the same for them. That wasn't always the plan for them. So I do believe that they had to adopt different parenting styles, and it's really hard when you have to all of a sudden do that, you know? And it's not due to Cameron or I, Cameron being my little brother, um, or I changing how we behave. It came from adopting a whole set of uh, <laughs> sons, essentially, who I think what the biggest problem was were very much like my dad's older brother, who's the one who who's their father, you know what I mean? They looked a lot like him, and my dad and his brother probably had problems just like, you know, any brothers do. Yeah, and I would love to have my dad <laughs> and then my mom as well on the podcast so we could talk about them specifically, but I think that those were the challenges, some yeah. of them, that we dealt with. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. So let's gear away from the negative aspects and, like, the challenges, because I don't really mm -hmm. like focusing on that. Um, but I do believe it's important to touch on that stuff because it kind of shows you more insight on where you are now. And like, I always tell Jared this, like you grow when you're uncomfortable, you grow through adversity. Like if you're uncomfortable, that means you're going to grow from it. And so that's why I like to also touch on, you know, the challenges and all that stuff. But I'll, so now we're going to switch gears and go on the positives. Like okay. with your, you know, cousins being adopted into your family, how, what are the benefits from that? And where were your like best memories with them? And like, yeah. Well, for to be honest with you, like I told you before, it was like one big sleepover. So I had them all around, but it wasn't for long because I was going to college soon. You know what I mean? Things happen fast. But one thing that was great was like you have this household that's always rustling and bustling with it's always busy i've visited <laughs> always always i mean someone's always so going much around. fun though so much fun exactly and our house was the place with the snacks you know what i mean we had all the game consoles so you know something was always going down where we can you can find family within this family and become part of it like mm -hmm. both of my best friends who um i've known for since seventh grader before then um they are when they come to my house my mom tells them they ask, oh, can I have a glass of water? She says, get your own glass. You know where it is. <laughs> <laughs> You're part of the family. Your mom's, your parents are very welcoming, too. Like, I already immediately felt like, oh, okay. <laughs> exactly. And I never knew that other families weren't like this. Not yeah. for a long time. Yeah. And I, I remember telling you, too, I was like, I'm, I, it makes me kind of uncomfortable because my family wasn't too big. Like, I have a lot of family, but, like, our was my immediate family is very like close knit and like we weren't there was not that many of us so going into a, an environment where there's like <laughs> so many people and like very welcoming just a big family is like weird to me you haven't seen anything yet. that's not a lot of people that's a very few amount that's that was a lot of people for me for you maybe yeah. but just wait <laughs> come christmas if you come over you'll see yeah <laughs> And you, you did. You, yeah. You've seen a lot. Yeah. It's it's really fun, though. It was such a great experience. Um, so, yeah, your two best friends. Tell me more okay. about them. So my oldest friend is Jamil. Um, he, I met, he, he'll tell you better than I, we met in third grade on the same basketball team. His dad was the coach. Been best friends ever since. Didn't start off best friends. Started off as really great friends, but 
the longer we knew each other, the better friends we became. Um, <laughs> we ended up starting a rap group, which brings in Mike, which is my third best friend. But I'll start with Jamil. He's just like... A rap group guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, we got tracks. I won't tell you where they are, uh, but they are fire. I know where they are. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, Jamil is my first best friend. Met him in um, f- third grade. We went to middle school together for a time until I changed middle schools. And we didn't go to school together, together until I was in college and he transferred to my college and we graduated together we walked together mm-hmm. front of our class not not head of our class we cut the line <laughs> to get to the front i like how you change it to front of our class well it's true <laughs> in proximity <laughs> so that was great and then we met mike who moved across the street from me who was a year older than us and um, he ended up being uh, our best friend as well, just always getting into adventures and growing up together and doing the things that teenagers and preteens do growing up. Mm-hmm. And shenanigans. Shenanigans. <laughs> Many a shenanigan. Very PG, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, shenanigans is saying PG, PG word, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, we, we always been through it, through thick and the thin. And then Mike just got married a few months ago. And I and Jamil were his best men, Jamil and I. Yeah, I was his best friend, mm-hmm. man. So Jamil and I was, were his best men. And it was an amazing experience, and it just kind of showed how far the relationship has gone. Yeah, so how many years is that? Like, uh, well, you do so, the math, because I'm not really great at that. Okay, so we'll take away 10 years, and that would make me 16. We'll take away three more years, that would make me 13. Take away one more, and make me 12. We'll say 12, because that's in between the time that I met Mike and Jam, or closer to the time I met Mike. Mm-hmm. So I, I've known Jam, I'd probably say since 11 at least, when I had my Yu-Gi-Oh! slash Pokemon card party. <laughs> and he didn't have any Yu-Gi-Oh! Pokemon cards, but he got a lot of them that day. <laughs> uh, you always have these stories like that. It's it's so funny to oh, me. Oh, yeah, we got lots of um, Yeah, I only have, like, a few friends who I've known for that long, actually one best friend from that long, but I know how valuable that friendship is and how rare that is because who keeps in touch with people for that long, you know? Oh, not me. Usually. Yeah. <laughs> so what is it about, you know, your friendship with your best friends is, is something that you value or, or maybe has like contributed to like the longevity of it? Great question. So with Jamil, I feel like him and I have grown together in the sense that we have both gone through things and both been there for each other. And when I say that, I mean like, your best friend, well, let me say it like this. Your friend will see you tripping and try to steer you away. Yeah. Your best friend will see you tripping and tell you, you tripping, <laughs> and tell you straight up to your face. Tough love. Exactly. And that's Is it kinda, tough love, though? No, or, it's not tough love. It's yeah. explaining. Um, Being direct. I see a problem. You should do something. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and then they don't even have to be direct, like, straight up, but, like, they will... And they will talk to you about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they will present a point of view that you may not have seen. Exactly. Or even they just care. Yeah. You know? So honesty. Exactly. Honesty. Mm-hmm. And, it, but, but <laughs> yeah, it, they'll be honest. And one thing that they've always done is grown with me. And we don't always grow at the same times in the same People, ways. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we, well, we're always there together and we always come back together in some type of way, usually music-related, because we all, we built this friendship in a, with a, a becoming very tight through music. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I just realized now, having this conversation, like we would spend hours at Mike's house uh, with <laughs> no uh, adult supervision. Maybe we could play one of your songs. <laughs> Uh, we'll make it optional and yeah. I'll put it in the link below. Um, but I mean, we would do that for a long time and we still like last year or a year or two ago, they both came over to my apartment just to make music for like two weeks and we came out with some bangers, some very crazy I actually stuff. really liked one of the songs and I remember texting you a long, a while ago, like that song stuck in my head, the chorus. And oh, you're yeah? like, it was a good song. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you. Later. Okay, I'm impressed. Um, yeah. I appreciate so, that. So honesty and then similar interest. Similar interest, yeah. yeah, yeah. And does it always feel like whenever, like you know, I have this thing with my friends because I'm so busy, where you know we could go months or even a year or so, like not really communicating or anything. But like once you do, it's like nothing has changed. No time has passed. Oh, yeah, I haven't talked to Jamil in probably a month or two. Um, <laughs> like, uh, the last time I said something to him was um, when I was going back to the Bay. And yeah. I said, I'm going back to the Bay. Where are you? And he said, I'm in uh, Philadelphia with my sister. And I texted his sister. I was like, I hate you for taking my best friend away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is rude. I, I'm finally coming. What are you, where are you? Yeah. supposed to be there. But, I mean, as soon as we get together, it's like nothing has changed. No time has passed. We get back into ourselves, and mm-hmm. we try to we catch up a little bit, and everybody's just happy, chilling, um, and it's all good. I mean, mm-hmm. it feels like home. Those are the people that make you feel like home exactly exactly I've, I've as i grow older i realize like home is not necessarily like a physical place no. it could be in what you do it could be in people and like i feel like that characterizes a lot of what a best friend should be you know totally um so you were mentioning when you were talking about jamil like um you guys went to school and then you switched so i wanted to ask more about that like how many schools did you go to oh yes my <laughs> schools so at every grade level or uh, so in elementary middle and high mm-hmm. i switched schools in the middle of it so in elementary i switched schools from one elementary school to another middle school one middle school to another and High school, one high school to another, and it was always public to private. Like, That's crazy. Mid- how how long have you stayed in one school? And I stayed in one school. Elementary, I stayed or the till longest. second. Yeah, um, I guess middle school, question. I stayed till seventh and a half, uh-huh. or pro- no, I think till seventh and from seventh to eighth, I switched, and then from m- high school, I switched in the middle of my sophomore year. Jesus. No, actually, in the middle of my. I uh, I soft- switched my, once my and I hated it. Like, I thought it was, like, because I was leaving my friends and, like, everybody, and I had to make new friends, and I didn't know how to dress. Like, I can't even imagine switching so many times. Like, Well, it was a little bit easier for me. I don't have any family that went to any of the schools around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, and most of my friends went to different schools. Like, my best friend Jamil went to a different school after I switched and I hadn't met Mike yet and then he went to a different high school when I like all, all the time so my friend group my basic friend group my, my 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 school friend group wasn't necessarily at school you know I had friends at all the schools but I was able to make new ones but the change was so important because I wasn't doing well academically at any of the public schools mm-hmm. and from what I've learned it's that I didn't get the help I received it wasn't me being the problem it was the fact that the education system was failing me as a learner yeah and they were teaching me in a way that was not effective 
And I learned immediately when I switched schools, and I am so thankful my dad was, worked so hard to switch and find a school that would benefit me and my future. Mm-hmm. That's, that's crazy to me. <laughs> so how do you think that affected you and your personality and you could even say your self-esteem of like like all this the 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 school system and just not feeling like you're learning oh well um for the feeling let me back up real quick and Uh go to the switching part and then i'll go to the learning part okay okay so the switching part (laughs) i feel like it changed me in the fact that i feel like i can go anywhere and be comfortable like Mm -hmm. when i studied abroad in italy i and I went there alone. I didn't go with anybody that I knew. Yeah. I just was like, okay, I want to go. I want this opportunity. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel uncomfortable going. I didn't feel scared. How old scared. were you at that time? I was, <laughs> I was 20. 20. Okay. I, I remember I had my first alcoholic beverage <laughs> at, legally, technically, <laughs> overseas. Because over there, it's 18. Legally? <laughs> it's 18 over there. I was 20, so I was... It was crazy. <laughs> but, I mean, I feel like I can go anywhere and be comfortable. You know what I mean? I don't have to be concerned with, are they going to like me? Are they going to this? Is is this okay? Or whatever. I just feel totally comfortable. And I know if I be me, I'll be okay. Yeah. Faking it ain't going to make it. Mm-hmm. But if you be, if I am who I am and I present that and people like it, those are the people that I want to be around. Mm-hmm. And those are the friendships that I make. And those who are, are the people who are my friends today. Awesome. Okay, so... The second part. What was the second part? The second part was... Um, the, you know, like your, how it like affected like your self-worth or anything about the whole learning aspect. Oh, with the learning aspect. That made me, that those experiences made me want to go into education mm-hmm. because I, for so long, struggled learning. I hated reading. They said I have dyslexia. Mm-hmm. And then in college, I took a speed reading class and now I can read incredibly fast and I love reading. I enjoy mm-hmm. reading. And That's so interesting. Like they... That that was. I feel like people overdiagnose nowadays. Oh, know? definitely. But I okay. mean, we're both from the psych field, so we can get around. We can yeah, talk about I that know. for a long time. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. let's let's skip over that and go to the fact that now it makes me want to make education easier and better for other students. Like I always say, I see kids running out of class. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I see them. Uh, at the end of the day, if you ever go to a school and those doors bust open, when I say bust, like I've seen kids hurt from like running down the halls and then a door busts open finally because they're so excited to leave. When school can be fun, education can be fun, it is fun, but it's not associated with fun. Yeah. And the way that we're teaching is not effective and it is only for, you know, doing well on the test and it doesn't lead to building on the knowledge you have and retaining the knowledge you you earn or you you obtain and I totally agree I feel like most of the things I've remembered from you know my learning history is like the fun stuff I remember the most because it was meaningful and I wanted to I was motivated to you Mm -hmm. know so that totally makes sense and right now it's so in like the education system is so like standardized testing and just testing 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 what if you're not good at testing, but you're really smart? True. And, <laughs> yeah. and what is smart also? Exactly. And then there are things that you... Education should prepare you for the world post-education. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I need with Pythagorean theorem. <laughs> I don't know what I need with All y equals memes. mx plus b. Like, I, no, no, a bit of, uh, serious, but I don't know how to do my taxes. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know how to um, save money well, yeah. and I don't know math that well. You just described 
all of millennials and all of the younger generations. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's not only that. Sense. Like, in the past, they had wood shop, and then you can go get a job using your hands that would be able to buy you a yeah. house. Now we that's don't a have lot, that. Yeah, exactly. Not a lot of people have wood shop or home ec or stuff like that that nope. actually teaches you, like, real-life skills. No, and know? I was thinking about this today. The education system is set up to prepare you for college because they want you to go to college not because it's in your best interest but because it will line their pockets the educators with it's money it's a business <laughs> exactly and it's totally a business it could be a business but let it be a business to create the best people for the future of our society yeah. you know what i mean and it also makes me think about all these families and all these children who might not have the traditional family life intact and, you know, people go to school to for the majority of their lives to learn these things. So if we yep. had things like, you know, um, like real-life skill classes or whatever yeah. in school, like maybe even though their home life might not give them, like, a better quality life outcome, maybe if they were able to learn it where they spend most of their time... Yeah. then that would be very, like, helpful and effective. And mm -hmm. I'm sorry to get on, us on this education tangent, <laughs> but education is really important to me because that's where I see my future. Well, don't be sorry because I feel like that's one of your values. You value education. This is, like, the whole idea of, like, interviewing. Like, this is what okay. I want to get to. Like, this, Good. Is, this is who you are. Okay. <laughs> like, and, and I think one of the other things about education is we shouldn't just be learning those those things that I mentioned previously, but we should also be learning, like, how to be a good person or a functioning member in society. And how to cope. And how to cope. <laughs> I mean, there's a whole lot of things that we need to learn, especially when most of it's being, like a lot of behaviors for interactions are being learned online nowadays. Yeah, online. And Social media. Exactly. And the consequence of your behavior online through Xbox Live is not the same consequence <laughs> you will have in person. Explain. Well, <laughs> if I called somebody some names that were mean and inappropriate to them on Xbox Live, it would be, uh, I'm going to say the same thing back, or I'm going to leave. Whereas if you say something that is mean or inappropriate to someone's face, you might get your face hit. Or you might get other social um, consequences that will negatively impact and affect you. Exactly, but yeah. how can you be wrong for doing that when in the past you've never received punishment for such a thing? You yeah, know what I mean? You haven't really fully experienced the consequence of that type of behavior. Exactly. Because you're behind a screen. Exactly. <laughs> and unfortunately... A lot of people need that experience. Yeah, and exactly. not hopefully to a severe point where they're going to be physically injured, but hopefully to a point where they can understand that their behavior has consequences that affect them and people around them and that it's unacceptable. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> He's all smiley right now. He's like, <laughs> I got my what my education spiel in. <laughs> I did. I mean, I can go on for more, but I feel like I want to talk about other stuff. No, just that. no, that's, it's great. I really, whenever you talk about stuff like this or whenever I see someone so passionate about it, it's so, like, nice because I think a lot of people nowadays don't have stuff that they're passionate about. If you ask them, like, what do you like to do or what are you passionate about, they're like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> so let's, rolling on with the um, education stuff, um, where did you get your undergrad? And how was that experience? And then we could go on to, you know, after that, when you decide to um, do grad school and move and transplant all the way here in L.A. All right. Well, 
I did my undergrad. Um, I, so I'm from San Mateo, California. I did my undergrad in Stockton, California. It's about an hour and a half away. It's uh, it was at the University of the Pacific. I had a great experience. I was a my, major in psychology. I wanted to minor in philosophy, but I honestly didn't get the credits, and I honestly don't care because it doesn't matter anymore. Um, it didn't change my degree or anything that is really important to me in the future. So those who are considering minors and majors, just think about what you want to do post, if you can, because... I really enjoyed my four years. I loved what I was learning, which really helped. It made learning easy and fun. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to take a myriad of classes that weren't the norm. I took a lot of, I took some poetry, I took some philosophy. And my school in general, my university, had these requirement classes. They mm -hmm. were called PACs. Mm -hmm. uh, I forget what it stands for, but I remember one was, um, what is a good society? or how to be a good person. And it really just made you read all these historical, philosophical pieces talking about what it is to be a good person in your society. And one of the most things, one of the things that was said to me that challenged me the most was, why are you so important? Yeah. So why are you so important in the sense that, oh, let's say I'm in traffic and I need to get where I'm going and I'm mad at everybody for being in my way. Well, why are you so important? Well, what makes you think that there aren't other people that have the same or more important reasons to get to where they're going? So, like, entitlement. Entitlement, yeah, yeah, totally. Why are you so important? And 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 also, what makes a good person, you know what I mean? Yeah. What, what kind of things do you have to do to be a good person? If I give money every time I walk out to a homeless person, does that make me a good person? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? What are the parameters? Um, so that was really Wait, so I want to ask you, what makes a good person? That's a good question. <laughs> and it's very multidimensional. <laughs> a good person is someone that... Sorry to put you in a spot. No, I mean, <laughs> can I give a behavioral... Uh, uh, explanation? You could do whatever you want. Okay. This is your interview. Okay, this I would say... How, however you want to speak. A good person provides reinforcement for desirable behavior in a society that benefits from it. And a bad person is someone who punishes behavior that is undesirable or punishes people for being who they are. A bad person basically hurts others, and especially for their gain, whereas a good person helps others, not only for the gain of themselves or that other, but for the gain of the society. Thank you for doing layman's terms, too. Yeah, was, yeah, 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 I got you. I saw your face, and I was like, uh, uh. <laughs> you're going too far to the he radical behavior. He likes to do this a lot to me. <laughs> He yeah. likes to throw his, like, definition something. Like, okay, can you explain it in t people terms <laughs> that I can understand? Yeah, yeah, I got no, the shop No, but talk. it makes sense. No, no yeah. I like that, yeah. So very, It's very kind of, like, I was, like, for me, like, I'm thinking about all these things, but you kind of really broke it down to, like, the most basic, like, Yeah, I mean, I want it to be it. super simple because, um, you know, the simplest explanation is the best explanation. So mm -hmm. that was undergrad. I had a great time. One, this is my endorsement for college or university. Partied a lot, way too much in the beginning, learned to calm down and had a great time and graduated. Two, have... Described every undergrad. <laughs> yeah. Have, ha, go outside of your comfort zone. I mean, I went to frat parties, never joined a frat. It was great. Um, I studied abroad. I wish I could have stayed longer. That's what everybody says. Mm -hmm. um, I got outside of my comfort zone by doing, like, um, 
open mic nights because I love to write rhymes. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. I'm, I'm the type of person that I would love to do it like an open mic, but I don't think I write that well, but... I don't know. Well, <laughs> it just I, seems so you, cool with me. It was more about me than them. It wasn't a lot of people. <laughs> it wasn't like everybody's listening to me at the same time because they got to be there to get food. Yeah. I was just there, up there talking. I remember the chefs, though. They were fucking with it. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Um, but it was, it, it always taught me to, you know, get outside of your comfort zone. I, one big change, it matured me a lot. Um, I was sagging my pants when I went in <laughs> to undergrad. And for a long time, especially where I was, I realized nobody else here is sagging. No mm-hmm. one else is, you know, and I was not a gangster. I've never been a gangster. I think that was just a style, though. It was, but it was a style. Early it was a poor style choice. <laughs> and it was hard for me to stop sagging. I remember that. Okay. And I wanted to stop, but it was hard. It felt uncomfortable and unnatural. Now I don't sag at all. I tried to go to that Millennium Tour and sag, but every time I did, I pulled them pants up. I was like, mm-mm, can't do it. It don't feel right. I feel like that's like a metaphor for life, though. Like, you get into habits, and then, like, it seems like that's normal, but, like, you end up growing, and then, like... You could change that, you know? And yeah. it's like you it's grow up and you know, <laughs> just like I grew up, I pulled my pants up. <laughs> and I never I, thought I would put that as a metaphor with sagging pants, but okay. No, but you you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, it's very true. And I mean, after that, I graduated and it was amazing. I had to move back into my parents. Did you did you have post grad depression? Because that's what I had. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that you were in a sorority, so you had a much different lifestyle than me. Uh, yeah. I did. I was depressed that my friends weren't around as often because yeah. I was in an apartment. People were coming and going. I could do whatever the hell I yeah. wanted. And then I moved back my, with my parents. You know what I mean? And I did that for like a year and a half, two years, I think. Uh, graduated in 14, 16. I, yeah, so two years. Um, and, oh, man, it was so hard. It sucked so much. Um, and how did it suck? I had to completely change my behavior because I was out there being <laughs> me, doing what I want to do when I want to do it. Yeah. And I wasn't working when I was o- over there. You know, yeah. I, mean, I did have a side job, but it was part time being a lifeguard. I mean, no offense to lifeguards, but we don't have to do much at all. <laughs> I mean, and then you save a life. I mean, <laughs> and then you guys get paid bank too. Oh yeah. I mean, well, for not... being that age, oh, you yeah. get paid bank. Yeah, I was sitting in the sun looking. Yeah, that, that's all I was doing. Exactly. So, um, and I was a swim instructor, but. That was so much fun, which led me into what I did because I was a psych major. So I got my first job. Uh, I applied for two jobs. Mm-hmm. I applied to be a retail in H&M, and I applied to be a behavior therapist for children with autism spectrum disorder. You really do read it like that, though. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. You think it's such a, like prestigious job i mean i'm not saying it's not but like it's very jargon <laughs> oh no it is but it, it, it just telling people that i did that i loved to and still do love to tell people that because i i was like oh this sounds great let me try it it's in my wheelhouse it's for my major so that's like literally the only job that's available after undergrad for psychology students yes if you're a psych major and you graduate as a psych that's um, mostly what you're gonna find out there and you know what do it it's yeah. your first opportunity to use exactly. what you've learned with people. And it's a, a first opportunity to get clinical therapy experience, which is, looks great if you want to pr- still pursue psychology and all that. Yes. So I got I, I, I applied for both jobs. 
I remember applying for H&M and being like, I'm sure they need somebody, so I hope I get it because <laughs> I need a job now that I'm back home. You know, it's either work or go to school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then um, I applied for the other job. I remember calling my mom on the way from the job interview like, Mom, I know I got the job. <laughs> I can tell. I rocked that. That was great. I got it. What did your parents think? Oh, he's applying for retail after undergrad. And you know what? They told me I had to work or, get, or go to school. So I was so hustling. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they were like, if you want to live under this house, blah, 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 you got to do that. And not to, not to like, like say that's a bad thing, but, you know, sometimes that's hard to do. You know, that's like a struggle because it's hard to find entry-level jobs for your major and your bachelor's. Very much so. And I'm telling you, that's foreshadowing what's <laughs> going to come. Because I got the job for H&M. I started it. I worked there. I hated it. I was terrible. Sucks. Oh, I learned real quick. Like you learned a lot of life skills, though. I mean, yeah, I learned how to fold clothes, <laughs> and I like to put away clothes. But then they had me on the cash register, and I was like, oh no, no, no. <laughs> so three people came back after I had helped five, and they said that everything was wrong, and they wanted like their money that they had actually. They paid too much, you know. <laughs> And one girl came back with a oh, grandma, no. like, uh, so I remember after, uh, I, and then I got a call from the other job saying, oh, we want you to come in for training. You're hired, which I was super juiced about, super excited mm-hmm. about. So for a while, I had two jobs. My mom was like, you need to get three. I'm like, mom, chill. That sounds like your mom. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So I was doing two jobs. And then I realized very quickly, I loved being a BT, behavior therapist. I mean, like, I got to work with these kids, and the first thing I remember is going, the first thing I remember that was fun, that made me like it, is I went to a school case, you know, and what you do is you go to school with the kid, and you help them, uh, you know, behave appropriately. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you know, apply interventions, that's where the intervention part comes in. Oh, yeah. Help I, them. I would say more, but I don't want to really get It's really hard, it's really hard to explain what we do, because... Even, like, to this day, my family and my friends are like, what do you do again? Oh, no, I could explain what we do, but people won't understand it with all the jargon. (laughs) But basically, I remember being in the classroom with the kids, and then the teacher was like, oh, yeah, and recess is at 10.15. I was like, recess? I I love recess. (laughs) So I was like, I can't wait for recess. So ever since then, I I get to go to recess, you know what I mean? I look forward to that to this day. I realize I'm just a big kid. I love superheroes. I love all that stuff. So, I mean, it's just in my wheelhouse, and I quickly became good at it because the kids liked me. I was young and energetic. You know, I'm over here playing zombie tag with them. Mm -hmm. And then I got my job at H&M. I'll tell you, they called me in and they were like, hey, so um, you're supposed to be coming in Saturday, right? And I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> and they're like, uh, well, are you coming in the next time? I'm like, yeah, no, I'm done. And I did the most informal quitting on the spot. And I was like, I don't need the recommendation. You know what I mean? I'm doing the other thing. And I can do more time with the other thing now that I'm agreeing to do that. So I went off, decided to be a behavior therapist. Was that for two years. Worked my butt off at being the best behavior therapist I could be. And I became really good. And I realized quickly, I don't know what I'm doing. And not only do I not know what I'm doing because the the training was inadequate, but because it's so deep. It goes so deep. The science of behavioral technologies go so deep. And I didn't know it. I wanted to know it. I wanted to learn. And I didn't know how to learn. So I decided to go to grad school. Mm -hmm. And I did not work hard to get great grades in undergrad. (laughs) I got a degree, but I didn't get great grades. So that's one of the things that you have to concern yourself with 
your undergrad is if you want to keep on going, get good grades. If you want to get the diploma, get the diploma, period. <laughs> so I found a school, uh, the Chicago School of Professional Psychology. I'm still in it. There are good things. There are bad things. I'm not sure if the good things outweigh the bad, but I do know that what I'm learning is top-notch and that I know a lot more than a lot of people in the field. And unfortunately, I know a lot more than a lot of the supervisors in the field. I am I, a behavior... I see that too, yeah. honestly. I'm a behavior therapist. I have a supervisor. Every behavior therapist has a supervisor. And not all supervisors are created equal. Just like all BTs aren't created equal, but like you're supposed to know something. So when I start talking, don't not know what I'm talking about when I'm talking the stuff you're supposed to know. <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. Okay, so, you know, despite the whole, you know, the education, which you actually learned, what else have you learned from being in grad school? Oh, man. Well, for being in grad school, I've learned, one, even in grad school, we're not teaching the way that um, is most effective exactly, and the best way yeah. to teach. Mm -hmm. um, I've learned that the professor makes the class, meaning that, a professor can make or break a class. A great professor can make an awful class amazing. Exactly. And, and that's even, like, through your whole life. <laughs> yes, yes. As, any teacher. It's because, like, you know, when you think of grad school, you think, oh, cool, wow. Like, you think of this, like, prestigious honor, and, like, it's, sometimes it's so hard to get in and stuff. And then, like, you get in, and you're like, wow, it's not that, like, different than what you've experienced. Exactly. <laughs> it really isn't. And... I loved it from the second I started. I mean, the homework sucks, testing sucks, but you know what? I'm when I'm in class, I am enthralled. Like I love what they're saying. I'm like listening You're to every word. About it. I am. I'm participating because one thing that I learned at a young age is I was a class clown. <laughs> no way. Yes, yes, I was a class <laughs> in a very clown. sarcastic tone. <laughs> um, and then I switched that to participating a lot. Maybe too much, but I participate a lot. Like teacher asks a question, I raise my hand to answer. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why everybody's not raising their hand. <laughs> and one professor asked me one day, he was like, Jared, you've gotten a lot of these questions wrong. Are you sure you want to answer? And I was like, well, either I'm right or I learn. So yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and and he was he was impressed by the answer and he said, okay, go ahead. And I proceeded to get it wrong. <laughs> so I Which mean, is different because I'm like the opposite. I'm like, um, I don't want to... Um, and put my hand up. But I've, I've learned as, you know, time has passed, like, you need to take initiative. and like, Yeah, it's your learning. It's that fear that you don't want to be embarrassed or be wrong or anything. But apparently you don't have that fear. I don't. And I have... Which is great. No, I mean, it has served me better than it has served me bad. Like, I have participated so much that, like, I enjoy my professors. They know me. They look at me whenever, um, you know, no one's answering. And I'll be like, I'll give it a shot. You know what I mean? And yeah. you lose nothing by getting it wrong. And it's not like everyone's going to be like, oh, my God, I got it wrong. I'm going to remember this for the rest of the life. You may remember it for a long time because it was a dumb answer. <laughs> but you know what? You can hit them back with a good answer. It's all good. Yeah. But um, it also really told me that I want to go further. I want to keep going. I want to get my doctorate. I'm thinking now in education with an emphasis on behavior uh, just because I really want to go far in education and 
reform our education and change how we teach and what we teach. To be honest, the whole thing needs to be broken down and built back up, but yeah. that's hard. That's really hard because it's based... It's funny because I feel like our... Not to go into the, the educational system or whatever, but it's our educational system is really based on like outdated theories. And yes. it's like organized that way and it's like it's i think it's time for a reform because i don't think a lot of people or children or students are really benefiting as much as they can but that also goes back to like politics and funding and it's just there's so much you know and it's hard you i, need, I like, agree i mean you know. and there was a thing called um uh i forget what it's called it's project something or other it's in my thesis um <laughs> uh that tested what um method of teaching works best and it was found that direct instruction uh was the best way to teach mm-hmm. which we don't do in schools unfortunately. what's direct in- instruction well you're gonna have to check into my thesis <laughs> for that kind of information or we can make a whole nother thing yeah about we that. can make a whole nother thing because now i'm interested like what does that mean yeah no it's 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 the best and it's not what we're doing and it could be cheaper and it could be implemented but everybody would have to learn something new you know what i mean yeah and, and people hard. don't like change no they don't like change especially the people making the money from what is going yeah, on yeah the business yeah. so speaking of changes how has it been moving down here how has your you know relationships with your best friends your relationships with your family and just like, you know, being on your own, which I know you've been on your own, but I feel like this has been a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how has that affected you? So I'm from San Mateo, the Bay Area, and I moved down to L.A. We are rivals in many a sport. I'm a big Warriors fan down <laughs> here. It's all about the Lakers. We went to Yard House the other day, and <laughs> the, the waiter was like, sorry, side note. And the waiter was like, are you guys from the Bay? <laughs> Me and my best friend, Mike, were wearing um, Warriors jerseys, so we were like, yes, we are. Because Thank you it's for so asking. rare to have people going for the Warriors or from down Because everybody thinks we're bandwagoners. But anyways, it was not hard for me to move down here. This is what I want to do. This is what I moved down here for school because this is where my uh, graduate university is. I decided I'll just move down there and get a job doing the same thing I've been doing. And it's really easy to get a job in behavioral therapy, um, depending on what uh, different uh, center you go to, because certain centers require more knowledge, certain centers require less. You could even get a job doing what we do, having only your high school diploma. Yeah. So You just have to prove that you're like going to school for your undergrad. Yeah. At least for my company. Yeah, some don't require that. Yeah. So, I mean, the point is, I came down here, I really looked forward to it. I was ready for the change. I was ready to move the hell out of my parents' place again. Like, get me out of there. I don't ever want to do that again. I love them. It's nice. And I love to visit, but being on my but own... it's time to be an adult, yeah, you know? Yeah. It's time to start that path of being uh, almost adult. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was 24 years old. It was time for me to be an adult. <laughs> uh, but, no, yeah, and I, I enjoyed... The change was hard in the sense of my friends because I didn't see him. I didn't... I moved down here. I don't know no, anybody. There was no friends. I mean, I had some family down here, mm-hmm. but I wasn't close with them. Mm-hmm. I had some people who I went to college with or whatever with and that were, like, friends on Facebook that I never talked to that were down here. And I... I feel like that's hard. Like, I... But now that I'm older, I think I could do it because I'm just more sure about myself. But, you know... Psh- I think it's kind of scary, <laughs> like moving to a whole new place and like. Oh, definitely. It's it. 
I mean, there is a scary aspect, very, very true. But one thing that I learned moving from school to school is that when you move somewhere, you have new opportunities to meet new people. It's not going to be that bad. And you kind of get to rebuild yourself, you know? So all those problems and things that you had in the past that you want to change and grow from, you can't. And you have this opportunity right now to do that. And that was my opportunity to do that. And I feel like I'm still growing and changing. And it's awesome. I like it down here in L.A. That's a Bay Area native (gasps) saying that they like L.A. He said it. And you know, it's not as bad as I thought. People are nicer than I thought. (laughs) And it's great. It's fun actually having rivalries with people. You know what I mean? Like, oh, my team's going to be cheering. It's a good conversation starter. It is. I mean, I wear my Warriors stuff. All the the fucking time. And then it it just starts up conversations with people. And you know what I mean? You could uh, disagree or agree with me, but at the end of the day, we're both going to watch the game and we're both going to talk about that shot, that foul, that whatever. That play. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That bad defense. Mm -hmm. So, or that bad uh, calling by the refs. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it was really one of the best decisions of my life. And I'm so happy I'm down here. And I'm so happy I'm learning what I'm learning because it is shaping me into the person that I want to be mm-hmm. and that I'm going to be, which I'm proud of. Which is what we all aspire to be. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like that a lot of people are lost and they don't know, like, which path to take. But I feel like people innately know what they want. They are just too scared or money's a factor or... You know, all these things, they don't, they're, they have that fear of, like, actually pursuing what they actually want. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So, um, going on that, what is one thing that you could say you struggled with moving here to, in L.A.? And then going to grad school? Or- um, I don't think I've thought about this a lot, but I struggled a lot with the boredom and um, being alone or not. Mm-hmm. around a lot of people like that's something that's really brave to admit well thank you i mean when i for a very long time i've been in places that a lot of people are around that a lot of people are able to be there to talk to and with and interact with and like that's from like college complete open door mm-hmm. friends coming in and out at all times of the day all times of the night, <laughs> and that's just how life is. And then back at home, you know, parents are there, cousins there, dogs there, somebody's there. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you just want to be alone. Oh yes. <laughs> and then you come here, and now you're alone. You're like, um. Well, yeah, yeah. I moved here um, with somebody, with my ex girlfriend, and it was a test, and it didn't work out, and it's fine. That's how relationships go. And now I'm living alone, and I'm so happy to live alone. Like, the next person I live with is going to be someone I'm romantically involved with. Babe, catch the hint, please. Um, <laughs> um, I'm, like, nodding my head <laughs> off. Like, uh-huh. Um, but uh, it's, so, it's so different. And, it, it, and I got into a lot of problem behavior because of it. And I had to grow and understand, hey... You need to replace those problem behaviors with ones that you seem or the society seems and deems more appropriate. 
But you also want to do it because for yourself. It's not something oh, yeah. like you feel like pressured to, right? No, I didn't feel pressured to. If I felt any pressure, it was for myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you engage in those problem behaviors, and I'll just be honest, I started drinking a lot, you mm-hmm. know? And I had smoked weed, but then I decreased my smoking weed because a lot of time it was just a social thing, you know? Yeah. So That's how I feel about drinking. Yeah, and that's how most people feel and maybe should feel. Um, but I just started drinking a lot and I, I never got a problem with my job or anything or my schooling, but it just was too much. And I realized I was doing it because I wasn't doing the things I loved. You know what I mean? I wasn't going mm-hmm. out playing basketball as much. I wasn't going seeing friends as much. I wasn't going out with my friends to drink. You know yeah. what I mean? Because there were very few friends I had down here. Yeah. So that was something that I had to learn and, and honestly am still learning how to better navigate. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I feel like everyone has their poison, as yeah. they say. You know, some people have weed, some people have harder drugs or alcohol, some people have food, some people have relationships that <laughs> that's their poison, you yeah. know? Um, but I feel like if you're aware of it, that's the first step. And then, like, you work towards it. But also, it's not going to be, like, a straight, you know, progression. Like, it's going to go up and down. And I feel like people need to understand that because... I think that's where progress is hindered when you don't understand, like, no, you're going to have some bad days and you're mm-hmm. going to have some good days and hopefully the good days outweigh the bad days. And I, I, I really feel like I saw this somewhere. It said, like, relapse does not erase progress. Mm-hmm. Like, completely stopping something isn't isn't the same as getting better. Yeah. Or if you completely stop and then you engage in it, it doesn't mean that all of that stopping was for nothing or mm-hmm. for not. You should understand that less is always better and things in moderation. And moderation does not mean cessation or stopping. So, I mean, understand that and behave appropriately. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you see. <laughs> Okay, so let's gear away from, like, education and all that stuff, technical stuff. So I I wanted to go more into, like, now your present, like, present day, like, what you're you're dealing with right now. And I I wanted to ask you this question because I feel like I always make fun of myself because I say that I'm always so irrational. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to, to ask you, what is your greatest irrational fear? My greatest irrational fear. Ooh, that's a tough one. that's a thinker. Well, one thing about me is... You're not irrational. That's no, a thing. I'm so <laughs> rational in many a thing. And I'm ira- I'm rational to a fault. Like, I'm like, well, this, because this, and this, and that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I think my biggest irrational fear, to be honest, right now, is that I'm going to be broken out of a place to live mm-hmm. and out of a job because I can't drive there and all that stuff. Like, I feel like... Like, just one day, I'm just, it's all going to, like, go away. Yeah. And I'm not going to have enough um, finances or whatever to support any kind of living style or this kind of living style I want. Yeah. Um, and perhaps that's irrational. Perhaps it's rational. But that's one of my biggest fears is just yeah. right now, especially, because I feel like I've gotten a really good handle on a lot of the things in mm-hmm. my life. But one thing is, like, I want to build that like nest egg people talk about where like they're like you got that rainy day fund. <laughs> My rainy day fund is a phone call. <laughs> so um, I, 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 need- I think it's rational in the sense that like it's it's rational to have that type of fear because you're human and also our age like 
And I'm 26 years old. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off, but I mean, no, I'm fine. still concerned with like being able to pay things on time, you know? Yeah. And I think money. that comes with experience. I don't think that comes with age. I think that comes with experience because I feel like even a 19 year old who's gone through some shit can get their shit together like that. You oh, no, know? they definitely can and haven't. I've seen them. Yeah. But I think it's irrational when you let that fear be so pervasive that you cannot like function or it's like to the point where it's like you really believe that and you kind of you know in psychology they call it self-fulfilling prophecy like you kind of believe um that it's it's that's who you are and then like all of a sudden it actually really does happen because Mm -hmm. you're kind of just like still engaging in stuff that will make that happen so you're fulfilling a prophecy yeah um, but so I think it, I think that's rational in my opinion. Cause I, I feel like everyone <laughs> <laughs> fears that that's for sure. <laughs> so on, on that, that end, like what are the different things that you do for self care or to cope with things that when you're stressed or, you know, when you're trying to balance everything? So music has been a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, not only listening, but writing, I'm not really in touch with how I feel. <laughs> I mean... As do most men. <laughs> yeah. And I honestly don't know not how to I stere- feel. Not to stereotype before. No, no, I get it. No, but I, honestly, I don't know how I feel until I write it down. Like, yeah. I start writing my poetry or my raps or whatever. I'm like, oh, God, that uh, that's how I feel. Interesting, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's kind of my way of dealing with it, especially if I'm ruminating or just thinking about it consistently and constantly. Yeah, I've been trying to teach him I feel statements because every time I ask him about how he feels, he starts talking about, like, the context. But, like, he doesn't go into, like, I feel with actual emotions. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, let's try this again. <laughs> no, it, it, it's hard for me. And maybe that's kind of the way that society raises men versus how they raise women. But another way that I cope and deal with things is my therapy has always been playing basketball. And it's kind of been intertwined with music because I like to listen to music while I play basketball. And I used to love to go to this park right next to my house, put on music. I remember listening to so many new albums like J. Cole and stuff and just shoot it, shoot around and shoot it out. And I always learned to take my anger out on the rim. Mm -hmm. Um, When I first learned how to start dunking, like I realized that on days that I was having a tough time, I would come back home with my wrists like extremely red and rashed from like hitting the rim. And his shoulder right now is messed up because he keeps dunking. Yeah, I I, I was dislocated (laughs) my shoulder doing a reverse one-handed dunk. No, 360 (laughs) dunk. But I made the dunk. But I mean, that's besides the point. Okay, well, he keeps getting hurt, well, and I mean, I'm concerned. You 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 play hard, you get hurt a little bit. I mean, that's how blah it goes. blah blah. Anyways, that's one way that I uh, deal with my stressors. Another way that I deal is um, now I like talk to you. I have somebody that I could talk to and feel open that's and honest so with. I know, but like you're a great person to talk to if I'm feeling some type of way and kind of understand it. I get a totally different opinion. And I remember I call you my reframe, babe, because you <laughs> taught me how to reframe. Can I ask you, what is it? What does it mean to reframe? You said that like it was scripted. Can I ask you? <laughs> um, I think reframing, I'm not, I don't know what the actual definition of it, but it's like taking a situation that, that's seen as negative and kind of twisting it around to to something more positive, but also, you know, it doesn't have to be positive. It could be also like a growth mindset type of thing. Like, 
give me an example so I could reframe it. <laughs> okay. Um, today, I had a really challenging case at work, and I'm upset about it. So I would reframe that as to be, it was really challenging, and I got really frustrated, but I learned more about kids with aut- with autism or, you know... Emotional disturbance. Emotional disturbance, and now I'm a better therapist because of it. I really am. it was a challenging. No, you know what? And that makes me think about all the things that, you know, we learned to... If something's not working, stop and change. And that's something that I did, and I realized it, when I stopped and I changed, I had better reaction from my client. Mm-hmm. So... Yes, that reframe really helps me out because I did have a hard day with a client and reframing it into that mindset, it really makes me feel a lot better. Yeah, and I know it's hard to do that, to reframe, and we could do a whole, I have a lot to say about reframing and growth mindset and fixed mindset, but it's it's a way, it's hard to do at first, but once you start doing it, it kind of alleviates a lot of stress and like it kind of... Uh, kind of make changes your mindset and it opens up your mind to other things because I feel like not only as a society but as an individual we all limit ourselves so much so when we like take out those limitations imagine what you could achieve through that you know no totally I agree, and I really hope to expand upon that. Yeah, I actually want to do a whole podcast about that because that's something that I am super passionate about. All right, listeners, remember to email us down below and let us know what you want to hear just because I want to make sure we remember this like you will. (laughs) Yeah, okay, so we were talking about, you you mentioned a relationship that (laughs) you... I laugh because I know about it, but I just want, I don't know, I laugh also because I'm nervous. But I wanted to ask, not more into detail about that, but, like, more of what you've learned about relationships in general and, like, how that affects your relationships going forward. Well, one... That could be a huge podcast, too. It, t- it could be, and... I but think, just give me like a synopsis, like a little brief. No, I will. And I think that it takes a lot for for you, someone I'm in a relationship with now, to ask that. I mean, that's... Yeah, but we talk about a lot, so... Oh, we talk about everything. Yeah. When, we, when we about to go to bed, oh, man, I wish we had a podcast for that. <laughs> um, but no, I've learned so much more about myself in relationships than I've really learned about anything else. I've learned about who I want to be, how I want to be, how I how I act during crisis, how to act during crisis, how not to act during crisis. What, like, one thing that I learned is also what kind of person I want to be with. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because you're with somebody and you like them for all their qualities and then you get tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. And you kind of oversee. Or blinded. Or blinded, love blind. yeah. Um, love is blind, yeah. Because you stop seeing all of the problems with them or their behavior that because of how into that love you are and um I it was hard for me to end a relationship when I knew it was over like I was I didn't want to continue it because mm-hmm. you know what I mean I don't want to hurt this person's feelings I don't want to be mean and you know what it's meaner remaining in the relationship when you don't feel like you want to than mm-hmm. ending it when uh, you should. Yeah. And and that's called toxic relationships. <laughs> well, yeah, I've had those. and I think everyone has, honestly. And I haven't always been the best person, you know what I mean? I haven't always done the right thing. But what I'm learning is 
a lot of the time, or at least from my learn, yeah, a lot of the time, the right person will make you want to do the right thing. Yeah, you know what so I mean. True. Even and the right supervisor, the right boss, the yeah. right teacher, the teacher, the right like it, it motivates you. Exactly, it's weird. It really <laughs> is. And um, so I also learned like what is important to me in a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The things that you think are important to you in a relationship when you're 18 are much different than when you're 23 or so 26 different. or so 21. Different. And your upbringing, I learned, makes a big difference too because if you have somebody in your life that was a real big problem because of this specific thing and then you're dating somebody that has the same problem, it's going to make a problem in your relationship. Yeah. And communication, they would say communication is key but i mean you could communicate and still have a toxic relationship you could communicate but not comprehend or understand exactly you could communicate all you want (laughs) but i mean you have to you have to understand where they're coming from in their point of view and it's so good to get out of your own head yeah about it Mm -hmm. and it sucks to like a lot of times people concern themselves with keeping secrets uh but at the same time if you keep this secret how much of you are you sharing with this person and how long are you going to have to live a lie with this person? You yeah, know what I mean? How true. deep are you going to want to go with this person and live a lie? Yeah. You know? I mean, of course, we all got those weird things that we do, those proclivities we have. But at the same time, you really need to check yourself and be like, hey, if I want this person to be my best friend, my best friend, I should be able to share this with. Be honest with. It yeah. goes back to, like, the friendship thing. Like, honesty, similar interest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think that's, we both agree on that. We have all the talks about it and, um, it's nice to, to have that communication, you know, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. Um, so let's steer more towards like yourself. What, what are the strengths that you like about yourself or what do you think, you know, is something that you're proud that you are? I am super patient. I will tell you that. Yes. And yeah, no, and it's it's not waiting in lines though. No, well, I mean, there are certain, <laughs> waiting in lines in traffic. I'm not patient with. I'm a pretty tall guy. I why can't I walk around? Why can't I get in? Why? How are you stopping me, shorter person? Um, and then also in traffic, you know what I mean. I have no control. Mm-hmm. But like when I feel like I have control, like with these kids or with you or with anybody that I meet, like I'm super patient with. And for me, it's easy. You know what I mean? I understand that if I ask something of you and you don't do it the right way, it's probably because I didn't ask well enough for you to understand what I wanted. Like, for instance, this kid was drawing a triangle. And it was supposed to be a right-angle triangle. And I told him to put the little box in the triangle. This kid proceeded to, in the middle of the triangle, put a box, but not at the little corner. (laughs) Not at the corner. And he put the box in the triangle, like I asked him. (laughs) But he didn't put it in the corner. So I wasn't specific. I didn't explain to him in a way that he could understand what I wanted. So a lot of my patience comes from understanding, hey, sometimes if I'm not explaining myself well enough, that means that's why they behave that way. Yeah. That's one way of my patience. Um, another thing that I feel like I'm proud of is um, oh, my ability to dunk. I'm sorry. I know that's super <laughs> vain and everything, but no, I mean, but it's like it, it's part of your the things that you love to do. So mm-hmm. you know, be proud of it. Yeah, and I'm, not a lot of people can dunk. No, they can't. And a lot of one thing I'm proud of is a. Uh, 
being someone who is African American or black that is very a very good swimmer, mm-hmm. loves to swim, surfer, wakeboarder, certified scuba diver, lifeguard, swim instructor. Like I'm proud of that. My dad yeah. made sure from the jump. Because he was really into water, and I love the water, mm-hmm. and that's something that I take a lot of pride in and feel so comfortable in. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I I feel comfortable going new places. Yeah. Part of our job. He's. You're always also like, very, you're very adaptable. Like you, you, <laughs> like you're always down to do stuff or go with me wherever. Yeah, I mean, like one thing that our job teaches us is, okay, you're going to go to this school. Um, you're going to meet this kid who has a lot of problems and we're going to give you information on them and then you're supposed to fix them or do your best to do so and one day go. Mm-hmm. And you're dropped in to all these new places and new people. And it's not easy. But after a while, you get you learn to do it. You learn These are called subbing or subcases. Yeah. And uh, it really helps you learn how to adapt. And yeah. that's one of the things. You're flexible. Yeah, <laughs> flexible. Um, I don't know. I feel like you know me pretty well. I feel like I'm not thinking of all the things that I would want to say. No, I want you to say it. And it's okay. funny because, like, I know a lot of things, but, like, it's funny because you don't really, I think that you don't really think about it, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, I think it's hard for you. I think people like us who are in, like, the helping field or who are, like, so attuned to other people and empathetic or empaths, as they call it, and, like, want to just help people, it's hard for us to, like, look within and like really see our qualities because we're so focused on helping other people, you know? I agree. And that's one of the things that I, one of my qualities that <laughs> I really think I, gave, that I have. I low-key gave him ideas. Yeah. I mean, to I, I love to be empathetic and to see where somebody else is coming from, probably to a fault, but I totally like see like why somebody might think a certain way, even if I don't agree with them. Mm-hmm. And it's not always my intent to change their mind even though I totally want to change their mind (laughs) but it's my intent to understand them and realize hey we don't gotta agree Mm -hmm. but we do gotta live on this earth together Mm -hmm. so let's try to figure out a way we could do that I'm sure that there's something that we agree upon coexist yeah yeah yeah. well I guess I'll say stuff (laughs) (laughs) he he really is like a really good listener like I've never met someone who actually actually really listens and it's not like the, oh, okay, cool, I'm listening to you, whatever. But he really empathizes with you and, like, validates you. And he just is a gentleman. That's one of the things that I noticed when we first started dating. And oh, thanks. it hasn't stopped, so I guess that's who he is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I am. Um, one of, like, the weird things that I'll do is, like, when we're walking on a sidewalk, like, I'll walk... He so always changes sides. No, I don't <laughs> want to be on the side of the street. So if a car was to come hit us, I'd die first or i get the most hurt. That's yeah. what being a gentleman is about. He's very, yeah. <laughs> Chivalry is definitely not dead with him. Well, thank you. <laughs> and about the listening stuff, like, some, like, what you have to say and what you want to say, you want to say so bad. You want the other person to know this. And that's why you're saying it. And you care so much. The other person feels the same way. Yeah. So give them that time. Yeah. Give them their opportunity. But people don't know how to listen. People think that they know how to listen, but they don't know how to actively listen. Oh, can I teach them real quick? We'll do that for another podcast. Oh. <laughs> All yeah. right, check in another podcast uh, for we'll how do, to actually listen. Yeah, we'll do another podcast for that. I feel like we have so much that we want to talk about. I agree. <laughs> um, but yeah, like he he's such a gentleman, and I feel like he genuinely cares and um, I think you're just kind in general. Like, I feel like 
you don't meet a lot of people like that. And you're funny and sarcastic. And well, thank you. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, I just enjoy being me. One thing that I learned is like, what's the point of not being you? Like, for instance, I probably should have mentioned this earlier. I grew up around a predominantly white neighborhood and area. Mm-hmm. And I was the only black person in many of places. And I was never, I was, I was always too black or I was the black kid. You know what I mean? And then when I got around black people, I was always too white and not black enough. Mm -hmm. So I'd always walk that path. And then I learned I am what black people do, not the other way around. Yeah. So I don't need to conform to any type of way of talking or manner or, or anything. I need to just be myself. And that is a representation of, I guess, what you could say black people do, but it's mm-hmm. really what Jared does. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I don't have to, I'm not You're constricted not by... controlled by race. Exactly, yeah. or by those things. So it, a lot of it has contributed to how I talk. Um, <laughs> I, I get a lot of flack. I'm so used to it. I don't see anything weird with it. <laughs> no, no, but I get a lot of flack all the time for how I talk, the vocabulary I use, the vernacular I speak in, and the order in which I say words and people like point it out and I'm like you haven't read a book <laughs> people are just uncomfortable with stuff that's out of the norm <laughs> well I always say normal is boring and overrated <laughs> uh I don't want normal <laughs> I want weird that's fun that's yeah. interesting it's new it's changing it's adventurous exactly yeah that, that's so interesting you say that. I think that's a really great insight about race and like I feel like it's hard, though, for African-Americans to, to do that because of all, you know, the history and the, of prejudice and racism. And it's so easy. It's so much easier said than done, I feel Definitely. Like. And I feel like it was imperative to my growth that I am in societies that were predominantly black and predominantly white and learn how to function within the two of them and separately and and together and realize the common denominator is me. (laughs) And I'm going to get flack for what I get flack for regardless of where I am. Mm -hmm. And the best reason to be getting flack is by being yourself because then it's like, well, this is who I am. Yeah. So if you got a problem with it, then maybe you're not so good of a person. Yeah. That's you know? I always I always tell people and I think I've told you like as long as you stay true to yourself, you can't lose. Which is not an excuse to be an asshole. Yeah. But I mean, your personality doesn't it, yeah. it shouldn't be determined by who you're with. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. mean, of course, you know, you, for your parents or for elders, you may mm-hmm. say less curse words and for your friends you may say more. But at the end of the day, the common denominator is you and you should be you regardless. I mean, you got to love yours always. <laughs> <laughs> you would. I had to. There's going to be a lot of those puns. I love puns. Yeah. <laughs> so I apologize. So going to, you know, that whole love yours thing, what is something that you are grateful for? That's a huge Off the top, I'm grateful for you. Off the top. Easy. I'm I'm looking at you right now so I can tell. Um, She's blushing, by the way. (laughs) Um, I'm grateful for my parents. I'm grateful for my brother, my best friends, all for a myriad of reasons. Um, Most of which are the fact that they love me, they support me, they call me out on my bullshit. And they are consistently there for me. I mean, you can't always be there for somebody, but when they can, they are. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I'm grateful for my grandparents, family, and I'm grateful for, 
um, my education, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm grateful for how I see the world mm-hmm. because a lot of people don't have the same belief or ideas or understandings that I do. And I just, people can tell that I just want to help. Mm-hmm. Like, regardless of what I'm doing, I just exactly. want to help. And Sometimes I have to tell him, like, hey, slow your roll because you're going to get burned out for wanting to help so much and caring so <laughs> much, which is weird to say, but it's true. No, yeah, totally. And I, oh, for a long time, have come off as arrogant because I'm trying to show the knowledge that I've learned to help. But I'm really trying to pull back on that and I know now especially that I don't know everything and there's so much that I don't know Mm -hmm. and so much that I have to learn which doesn't mean that I can't contribute but it means that which is fine we're not supposed to know everything no one does anybody that's listening that thinks that adults know everything (laughs) we don't all bullshit (laughs) like every single day like some people bullshit better than others Uh, and you know wealth does not equal happiness it makes it easier for a lot of things, but it doesn't always equal happiness. Mm-hmm. In most cases, it doesn't. So just know people are living day to day just making it up mm-hmm. or going by what's worked in the past. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? There's no book that you can read that'll be like, you do this, you'll be successful. It, uh, there are it books would be that can help. so great. Oh, yeah. But I think that's the beauty of life. You You fall down, you go through life, and you figure it out. And I think that... You know, through that, you kind of just figure out more of who you are and, like, your life is more unique to you. And, you know, yeah. Yeah? No, definitely. <sighs> are you tired? No, I'm not tired. I'm just thinking about all this stuff. I mean, it, it, where I want to go, what I want to say. And, and I think that's, like, the core of, like, like what, we're, what I kind of want to have people on here for is, like, for them. Because I feel like a lot of people don't, like think about their lives that way like people are so concerned about the future you know that you don't stop (laughs) you don't stop and appreciate what you've already you know gone through um so okay let's start wrapping this up i have just a few more questions because i like these questions (laughs) one of them is if you could choose a superpower what would it be well my favorite superhero (laughs) is the flash so because i read the comics i would tell you that my superpower would be having a connection to the speed force. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> this could be like a speed round. Okay. <laughs> if you had more time, I would fill in the blank. If I had more time, like in life or, yeah. or just in the in day? General, in, in general. In general. If I had more time, I would be more active. I'd play more basketball, work out more, and do things that I enjoy doing to increase my quality of life. Okay. Favorite movie? <laughs> Friday. <laughs> that was fast. <laughs> Favorite TV series? Scrubs. Favorite food? My mom's gumbo. <laughs> Vegetarian gumbo. Favorite music? Rap, R&B. <laughs> Dating advice? Love yours or figure out somebody you love and why you love them. And be yourself because if you're someone else, then you're going to have to be that other person for the rest of your experience dating that person. And advice to your younger self? Oh, man. Ha, ha, ha. A lot of things. Um, first, um, don't send that text. Second, <laughs> stop drinking and uh, start thinking. Uh, third, send that rap to her that you wrote. She might like it. Uh, fourth, work harder in school because 
I will tell you, even though I'm in grad school, I gave up on a lot of school. Like, I did not work as hard as mm-hmm. I wish I had. Sorry, I know it's speed round, but <laughs> young no. Jared needs to know. No, it's good. <laughs> um, um, be more aggressive on the basketball court. Sorry. <laughs> you have a lot of advice to your younger self. Oh, yeah. But that just shows you that you know yourself more. And oh, yeah. you, you, you know, you're kind of like, Know yourself, Drake. Sorry. (laughs) Love yourself. Know yourself. (laughs) Yeah, know yourself. Um, So advice to people right now. Advice to people right now. Um, My advice to people right now is everybody's going through something. Everybody is um, dealing with something. Be patient with them. Patience is my best advice to people because it's what I see the least in people. Mm -hmm. And if you are more patient with somebody else, even in the slightest bit, it will help you in the future because you will benefit from your patience, I promise. Awesome. I like that. Thank you. I wasn't expecting that for some reason. I like you. <laughs> I weren't expecting you for some reason. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is what I deal with. <laughs> You're so charming. Stop. Um, so last question. Um, you know, when it's time for you, this is so morbid, but... Um, I think it's a really important question. When it's when you when it's time for you to pass away, how would you want to remember your life, and how would you know that you lived a life that was fulfilling and that you're proud of, and successful? When I die, I am going. I, I will have wanted to make an impact in the greatest amount of people's education as possible. Mm-hmm. I feel like my greatest impact. I mean, I've made impacts in a lot of people's already, but mm-hmm. I want to make it on a country scale, global scale, and I want to really give people the best opportunities to learn the best um, because I feel like it will increase the likelihood that people will reach their quote unquote potential. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't think that people have different potentials. I just don't think that people know or learn what they could and they get defeated and feel like they can't. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? People say that, you know, school isn't for everyone. Well, the way school is now, it's not for everyone. Yeah. And it could be for everyone, but we just ain't teaching like that right now. Mm-hmm. So I want that. I want to know that I will know that I would ha- will have lived a good life if I could inject joy into other people's life, if I can be remembered as someone who is happy, helpful, and always listening. I love the mm-hmm. fact that I listen. I want to listen more to people. And I really, like, I know this is morbid, but for my funeral, <laughs> I would want it to be a celebration of life. Yeah. I would want a big, like, questionnaire game about my life <laughs> where you, you know, had to answer questions about was Jared like this or like Jared like that. You love board games. I do. I mean, I, I want people to celebrate my life. I don't, I, I want, of course, people to go up there and cry and stuff, but I want them to be like, hey, he impacted my life like this and I'm going to take what I learned from him and pass it down. Mm-hmm. And that is how I feel. I love that. I feel like, you know, it's funny because some people say that they don't know what they want to do with their life, but I think a lot of people do. They just haven't uncovered it. And it's interesting that everything you've done in your life, you're already contributing to your own legacy. If we could, we could think about that way. And like, I feel like that's, that's essentially your goal. And I feel like there's so much more to do, but I feel like you've done a lot and 
you know, I love hearing your story because one, I think I learned more about you <laughs> in the past how many in the past hour. Um, and it's interesting to listen to stories because I feel like you get more insight and you know more perspective and you also get this feeling of like I'm not alone like a lot of people like you think the way that I do and all that thing and it, it's just nice to like hear that and it seems like you are like staying true to who you are and always loving yours <laughs> I'm trying I'm trying so yeah so <laughs> thank you that was great and I know it's, sometimes it's hard to disclose that type of stuff like um, you know, we could be thinking like, oh, who's going to hear this? Like, whatever. But, you know, I commend you for being brave enough and vulnerable enough to like sharing your story because I feel like a lot of people will benefit from it. Thank you. Thank you. And I appreciate you for um, the idea to supply a platform for such a thing to occur. <laughs> you could have said that differently. <laughs> I really don't know how. I know. <laughs> Um, but to cut this time down, because I'm sure we can talk for hours, yeah, we and we'll probably continue this podcast. Uh, we, I think we found our topics. Yeah, we have. And we're going to definitely work on pumping these out and giving them to you. Uh, I would love to have feedback just from mm-hmm. people, just because I want to know what people want to hear. You know what I mean? I know what I want to say, but what do you guys want? <laughs> Uh, Yeah. Um, In closing, this has been the Always Love Yours podcast with Jared. And Krista. And we will see you next time. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Deuces.